0: to
1: welcome to ghost divers this is an anime podcast and i am your host neve and i'm joined here by my co-host connor hello everyone um and we also have our special guest host who's gonna join us for all of ray earth sorry for committing you to this (laughs) hello hi
2: you didn't say my fucking name
1: well, I figured that unlike Connor, you are able to say your name. <laughs> Connor's like taking a vow where he cannot say his own name. Apparently. Well, it's weird
2: if you say his name and you don't okay. say my name.
3: <laughs> you didn't really tee it You're... up either, to be fair. Yeah. You just kinda <laughs> Yeah, you just kinda left Autumn hanging there. Uh, so I'll say Thank you, Connor.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so we're joined by our guest host, Autumn. Yes, that's me. <laughs> It's just specifically in my brain now that like I just don't say or that I have to say Connor's name. Not that like I yeah. Normally <laughs> I feel like the host should say their own name, and Connor just refuses to do it, and so I have to say Connor's name. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and two that's names is just too much. In my brain. I two I names feel like, is your
2: max. I feel like because this causes confusion sometimes because. Nora and I will be doing to Arcanum, and she'll say, and I'm joined by, and look at me, and Mar- Mark and I will both answer, because like, Mark does not realize that she's looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I like, if I'm uh introducing people to say their fucking names, so that there's no confusion.
1: I just well. think of the part where I said our guest host would make it clear who I was
3: talking about. Well, let me let me be the first to to share this. The, is,
1: this is the kind of energy that you're bringing to this podcast, Autumn.
3: Well, on on behalf of Ghost Divers, let me actually show you some appreciation, Autumn. Thank you for joining us. Um, we appreciate you being here, taking your valuable time to talk with us about anime. Um,
2: I did accidentally call it Ghost Divey earlier, and now I'm going <laughs> to only call it that. So
3: that's the. Uh, that's the adjectival uh, form. Of <laughs> That's when you're describing our aesthetic to others. <laughs>
2: Ghost Divers core?
3: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah for did sure. You, did you? Did either of you see that bad Ghibli tweet that was going
1: around yesterday? Um. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you specifically showed it to me. And I then, did. Um, I had a, a friend who tweeted. Saw the most one-sided, dumbest Ghibli discourse... And want to unload a full clip into my router, and I said, was this the one about how Miyazaki supposedly the- invented the idea of emptiness in film, or a different Bad Ghibli take? And he said, yeah, it was the post giving him way too much credit, and then 1, 000, or 10,000 quotes being like, wow, people just don't get how deep he is, and I started screaming, where is anyone saying this? <laughs> but also, if they're saying that this dude makes movies about watching cartoon quilts unfold, they're correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then Should i just I responded bad... <laughs> yeah i just responded i like how i knew the original tweet <laughs> but anyway go ahead and read the original bad tweet this is like totally no longer relevant when people are listening to this which is great that's how we <laughs> like it here at ghost divers no relevancy oh, yeah. whatsoever <laughs> saw a writer
2: use quote-unquote ghibli core as shorthand for fant cozy fantasies that have no conflict And I suspect what people are confusing is Miyazaki's concept of ma or empty slash negative space used to let the audience ruminate on the conflict along with the character. So there's like a couple things here. Uh, One, um, maybe the thing that makes me fucking furious the most on the Internet is when people say Miyazaki to mean Ghibli and Ghibli to mean Miyazaki. As a person who has watched every Ghibli movie for a podcast now... (laughs) These are it's very different things. It's a great fucking podcast. We do great work. Uh I would punch Hayao Miyazaki if I saw him in the
1: street. <laughs> the other I I think I said this to you when you shared this tweet with me Autumn. The other thing that really annoys me about it is the fact that it seems to be suggesting that Ma is like a an idea or a concept that like Hayao Z, Miyazaki came up with. I know. And not a principle of art like within japan and also like a lot of like it probably has its roots in like the dao de jing like it comes from like zen buddhism most likely and that like zen buddhism is getting it from Taoism, and that's like going to like ancient china and so this is like a core concept and also like emptiness broadly is an even bigger concept in art beyond just like ma specifically as it appears in like japanese art that's what i was gonna say is like (laughs) this person never heard of fucking tarkovsky like that's just (laughs) (laughs)
4: there's like
1: (laughs) like gestalt theory when it comes to art is like talking about the emptiness and then the like stuff that's not empty and how those interact with each other and like create new meanings like this is just like all over art Art is all about like what is the interplay between the empty spaces and the like spaces that you fill in.
3: <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know, I I saw that tweet too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, and also it was, it was really something, you know.
1: Yeah. People, God, okay, I love people... how not online you are. You just you ground me, Connor.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: People so... always
2: talk about how oh, nothing happens in Miyazaki movies, and, like, oh, they're so, like, devoid of conflict. It's just not true. That's just not true. (laughs) Like, and beyond just what this writer is talking about, of, like, internal conflict, there's a lot of internal conflict in Miyazaki movies, there's also, like, people running up on each other with swords and guns in every single one of these movies except Totoro. (laughs) Like... All of these movies have guns in them or swords or both. It's just it just drives me fucking nuts. That's all. I hate yeah. the internet.
1: So <laughs> did we say the part about what we're watching is Magic Knight Ray Earth
3: or No, no we didn't. But I mean, we really uh we really thoroughly annihilated that tweet there. So I think we can put that one to bed. Yeah. It's just roosted and uh and taken care of there. Um, so yeah, what are we uh what are we watching? I, I think I, I'm honestly I forgot. Yeah, so
1: uh we're watching this anime called Magic Knight Ray Earth. Mm-hmm. Do you, did did any of you watch any of it?
2: I watched five episodes. Cool. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um Yeah, you know, uh Why I, am I so think... tilted? I, I know that's a rhetorical question for me because you you know you know very well that I've watched Ray Earth, and uh, or or maybe or maybe you just think I'm I was like faking it when I told you I was watching it. Um. No, that's that's not the case. So okay, yeah. Because hey, it,
1: listener, I'm just gonna try and take over this podcast for a little bit. Um. So if you want to watch along with the podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this is like the most rapid pace that we've watched episodes for this podcast. Um, and really it's because like, I love magic Knight Ray earth a lot. It's also just a slower paced show where I feel like in the amount of time it took us to talk about like six episodes of ghosts in the shell or like neon Genesis, Evangelion, we can talk about 10 episodes of magic Knight Ray earth. Um, there's just more filler here, which is fine. It's like part of the charm for me. But um, so basically it's going to be 10 episode chunks. Um, there is one exception where it's going to be nine episodes because it is a 49 episode show, not a 50 episode show. Um, and so here's the schedule. You can, of course, also look at the like episode description For this episode and it'll be there as well But uh, August 6th we'll be Talking about episodes 1 through 10 Uh, August 20th episodes 11 through 20 Um, Then September 3rd Episodes 21 through 30 Episode 7 or September 17 we'll talk about episodes 31 Through 39 Uh, so that's the 9 Episode run and then On October 1st we'll be talking about Episodes 40 through 49 Um, So yeah that's the that's the rundown Maybe Connor, do you want to talk about your experience with Ray Earth, or do you yeah. want me to start um, out?
3: No, I think I think it'd be best at, as the Ray Earth originator in this group. Um, I think it'd be best for you to start out. Uh, okay, and we can kind of talk about you know our experiences with it, why we chose yeah. it, um, so on and so forth.
1: For a second I thought you were pretending that you were the one who introduced me to Ray Earth,
3: and that's why I laughed. Oh yeah, no. No, my act what I actually said was not that funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, we're just all
1: punchy. I was expecting that you were trying to take a punch. Um So yeah, Magic Knight Ray Earth. Um so I got into this series, like some of it is like very fuzzy for me because I have lots of weird gaps and holes in my memory when I go back to my childhood. Um, so I don't know if it technically started in like fifth grade right before I moved or if it was like right after I moved. Uh, but it was like right around that time between fifth and sixth grade, which is like going from elementary school to middle school in the, the U S school system, um, that I, so I was trying to think about it and I was like, where would I have rented a tape of magic Knight Ray earth? Um, And my guess is that it was probably at... Like, we had this family video that just carried all sorts of weird stuff. They had, like, an extremely extensive curated selection of, like, foreign films and anime and stuff. So my guess is I got it there. um, And I know it was from late season because I very vividly have the image in my head of, like, Hikaru and Nova together and it being, like gay and me not really knowing what was going on but me being into it um the thing is that I didn't really know how to find like a full series of anime and watch it at the time but I did know how to go and like get a manga at the bookstore because my parents loved books and it like we were there all the time and I for sure had already found the manga section um and so part of me was like drawn to it because those episodes don't as clearly, but like when I looked at the manga in the store too, it was like very clearly pulling off of JRPG stuff, which is just like, I, that was like what I spent most of my time doing was playing JRPGs. Um, and so I got, I think the first three like volumes, like the, the Tankoban style of um, Ray Earth and read those and was like, Obsessed with it, but in a weird way where I felt a lot of shame around being obsessed with it uh, for multiple reasons, including there's one part that I have not told either you, Connor, or you, Autumn, about Magic Knight Rayearth because I was saving it for the podcast because I want these reactions live. The first time that I, as like starting to go through puberty, had an orgasm was to Hikaru from Rayearth reading the manga. (coughs) So I had this react, like, one, I had this shame Mm -hmm. of, like, oh, budding sexuality around it. And Mm -hmm. then also, when I had the the manga at school, I was informed that it was a girl's manga and that I shouldn't be reading it. And so, like, both of those combined into, like, I felt this great deal of shame about me being really, really into Magic Knight Rayearth in, like complex i'm going through puberty i'm having like weird trans and queer feelings that i don't understand way and i just never got any more volumes because i just like i felt so shameful about it and i like got rid of the manga that i like i don't have those volumes anymore um i think i just like threw them out because i felt so bad um when i then came out as trans i was like i'm gonna fucking watch ray earth (laughs) Um, and so literally like one of the first things that I very intentionally watched is like I am trans now I understand what's going on with me and I want to like go back and try and revisit something from my childhood and like understand it now from this like new perspective that I have about myself was that I just watched all of Magic Knight Ray Earth um and it's like it is probably my favorite anime um I don't think it's the best anime that like my favorite if I'm trying to like sound cool and like I'm talking about like a a quote unquote good anime is I would say Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. But like in my heart of hearts, it's Magic Knight Ray Earth. This is just a series that that means a lot to me, um, in like kind of complex ways, but that also like the aesthetic of this is just so fucking me. Um <laughs> and like, I'm very excited for you, Autumn, to finally understand what I'm talking about when I say that I am both Hikaru and Nova.
4: <laughs>
2: I don't know who the fuck Nova is, so... Yeah, we're not going to get okay. to Nova we'll get until
1: the second season. Um, okay. So, <laughs> we will get there. Anyway, that's that's my little spiel on my history with Earth.
3: Yeah, I, I think a uh, an interesting sub-narrative to, like, ghost divers that is emerging, at least for me, is uh, how much, like, cooler you were as a kid than I was. (laughs) You're, like, in fifth grade, like, playing JRPGs and reading manga and stuff. And I was just, like... very cool. (laughs) I would... I don't know if I was even, like, sentient by fifth grade. So... That, yeah, it, I find that pretty remarkable. I mean, obviously, like one could argue that this trend is still in force now. Um, I am, I know. am much cooler as
1: the not token straight guy on uh, X War Audio Network.
3: Yeah, so you know, it's I. I suppose if I could rephrase my characterization of the sub-narrative, it would just be like how much fundamentally cooler you are than i am um and have have
1: always been this like comes up and it's a thing where like i have i have mixed feelings because i know a lot of people are like fully going through it but there are a lot of people who are like wow you were so cool when you were young like especially around like i was like a full-on punk rocker in high school and some of it is like i like I guess I was cool, but a lot of the stuff that I'm doing that people are, like, calling quote-unquote cool, which is that I was, like, smoking and drinking and going to punk shows and, like, moshing until I couldn't feel my body anymore, was because I was, like, severely depressed, and so it's, like, hard for me to look at that and be like, wow, what a cool teen. (laughs) Um, I'm just like, please, someone help this child. Um, Anyway... (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, but I, I know other people
1: have gone through similar trauma and it didn't manifest in a way that if you were recording it on like in a movie it would look cool because i'm like smoking cigarettes outside of a punk show drinking pbr um you know just hallmarks of cool <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I and mean, I, think, I think what i mean to say is just like the level of uh the stuff that you were in is much more. The stuff that you were into is much more interesting than the stuff that I was into uh, at that time. I mean, from my like current adult perspective, that stuff is interesting. And from that same perspective, the stuff that I was into back then, um, I mean, I guess I was watching like Toonami and stuff, so I wasn't like super far off. But I certainly wasn't like. I mean, I'm just now like getting into JRPGs, so you're like decades ahead of me, and you're uh. And intellectual development there. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess <laughs> on that note, I guess I can talk about my uh, my experience with Ray Earth. Yeah. Um, so, my. So, kind of like Ghost in the Shell, this is actually a very similar story. Um, my first experience with Ray Earth was like talking to you about it. Um, I guess around the time when we. I've kind of recounted this narrative before, um, but around the time we started becoming, like, really good friends several years ago, in our friendship, you know, one of the emerging themes was, like, the shared interest in anime, where um, Earth was something that you brought up very quickly as, like, hey, this is an anime that I um, that I really like and you should watch. Um, and you told me all about it, omitting certain details of your, um, you know, of, of your experience with it, obviously, <laughs> um, at that time. Um, but with, even with the details you gave me, I was, like, you know, super interested. And I think it wasn't until um, – I'm trying to remember when I actually first watched it. Um, it wasn't until actually, like, a couple years later that I finally got around to watching it. And I, it just – it's it really won me over. Um, just on my first viewing, um, obviously, I'm the kind of person who really loves old anime, um, so it's not a hard sell for me generally to watch something like this and like it. But there's just something. Um, Rare Earth really has, like, a je ne sais quoi uh, appeal to it. Um, there's a level of, like, mirth that I feel watching this series, even when it it does have some dark. Uh, aspects to it. It does have some things that are um, a few things that are like somewhat disappointing for me. But even in those moments, it's never like I, I never feel bad. Um, it's just something that is like mirthful and uplifting and just overall like incredibly pleasant thing to watch um, for reasons that. I sometimes can't even put my um, my finger on really. Uh, the, the other thing I really like about it, it, and I'm intentionally kind of like kicking some uh, some talking points down the road here because I don't want to uh, I don't want to have any spoilers. But the other thing that I really like about it is the way that the series evolves. It in almost every aspect, um, technically, thematically, narratively, it it evolves in a way that is really that is really intriguing. And watching that happen, I, I'm really excited actually to have you here, Autumn, because, I mean, you may hate it, and that would be a huge bummer. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to, like, I think in the same way that Neve was probably excited for me to, like, watch it um, for maybe similar reasons, like, I'm excited to have you wa- be watching it for the first time and to, you know vicariously experience that that first time watching ray earth again because i think uh it's it's really a fun ride and uh there's (laughs) also a lot a lot going on there
1: like without giving away too much um so after we watched evangelion like evangelion was just so heavy that i was like i want to watch ray earth but then also i was like I know we need to have a nine episode run at some point, And there's like a point where I'm debating, how am I breaking down this line? Um, and so what I did is I basically just watched the entire second season over the course of like two or three weeks um, because I love this show a lot. And I literally like one day finish episode 49, finish the series, then put in the first DVD to start watching it for us recording and watch episode one. And I was just like, wow, this show, like, really, really develops and changes. And, uh, like, we'll we'll talk about this, but, like, there is a, a hard divide that I think happens. Like, you can very clearly separate out here's season one and here's season two, and, like, you feel the shift happen between those seasons. And yet, it is still even more stark if you go from the, like, very end of the series to the very beginning of the series. Um, it still like evolves and there's just like a sharper turning point at a moment. Um, but you kind of like almost forget how much it continues to change like across the full run. And that it's not just that like one pivot. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have other, other thoughts. I kind of cut you off Connor, but that's what I do.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah w- welcome to ghost drivers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, The thing that makes me think of, and this is uh, a really odd reference, I know. Um, Welcome to Ghost Divers. Um, But there's uh, a book that I studied in college um, called The Mort d'Arthur. It's like, it's classic Arthurian. I'm I'm sure you've probably... Yeah. yeah. Um, This classic Arthurian narrative by Sir Thomas Mallory. And uh, when we were studying it, the thing that we were told, and I've actually never looked this up to verify this, and maybe we were just told this for dramatic effect to make it interesting. Um, but the story behind the, the book is that the author was, like, in prison when he wrote it or whatever. And what our professor told us is that he just, like, wrote it straight through. So he just, like, started writing chapter one one day with, like, no prior – with, like, it, you know, just, like, from scratch with some, like, sources that he's pulling from and whatnot. But with no, like, writing expertise, he started – with chapter one, and then you just, like, wrote it straight through <laughs> in order. Um, <laughs> and it might have been because our professor told us this, but, like, my experience of reading it was, like, holy shit, this is exactly how this thing reads, where it's, like, chapter one is, like, I don't know how to write a book. And then the final chapter, like, and it just progresses. And then by the time you get to the final chapter, it's this, like, incredible, like poignant like epic work um and i don't make this comparison to like disparage season one or like the early episodes of ray earth at all because i i love them and i think um even though they're not like technically refined or whatever i think there's still a lot of very interesting stuff that's going on but the progression, it's – you can really feel the progression in a way that's, like um, – for me, it's just exciting to, like, see the series uh, evolve that way. Um, in a way, it, First Gundam actually does um, – has a somewhat similar feel to it. Autumn, I know you've seen First Gundam, so maybe – Yes, yes. Um, maybe that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs>
2: it definitely does. It definitely. <laughs> I was telling Nia today. I I think about First Gundam every single fucking day of my life. Yeah. So yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, we're just like this. The start of First Gundam is like, yeah, we're just like making a TV show to sell toys, and mm-hmm. then like the end of First Gundam is like, this is the greatest space opera of all time. <laughs> um, so it's.
2: Mo- more in relation to Ideon, the show that comes after Gundam, but my friends uh, over on Great Gundam Project have a theory that all shows should be cancelled so that they can end as climactically as uh, First Gundam and Ideon do, because <laughs> Gundam extremely is like starting to build towards some shit and then it's like. Oh no! You got like seven episodes. You got to wrap this shit up, and they do it, and it's great.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's a real, there's a movie dick effect there too, where it's just like, oh fuck, I got to end this. Um, Let's just like have this epic, explosive ending. Um, Okay, well, uh, yeah, I've I've gotten us well off tangent here. Um, (laughs) So uh, back to you, Nia.
1: Well, yeah, I wanted to, so like i mean we talked about this a little bit but before recording autumn but like i know you haven't watched ray earth but you are not like a stranger to anime from this period or these genres or anything so like i also want to open the floor for you to talk a little bit even though like this is your first time watching sorry to to give that away
2: (laughs) (laughs) no i literally said earlier i watched five episodes it's Mm -hmm. fine um so yeah like <clears throat> of course, as soon as you throw to me, I have to cough
3: Um, we'll fix it. Fix it in post. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> now we can't because it's too funny. If You say that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. So yeah, like for me, um, I'm really bad at finishing anime. Um, and I have watched a lot of '90s anime. I have not finished a lot of '90s anime. And so part of, like, the appeal of coming on the podcast for me is, like, well, I'll fucking finish this show, because I have to fucking talk about it into a microphone, you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, like, I have a lot of interest in, like, Magical Girl stuff as a genre. Um, like, I, similar to kind of, like, what Neo was talking about, I have really intense memories of being very into Sailor Moon, and then very suddenly not being into Sailor Moon, as I was told that, like, that's for girls, you need to be watching something else. Um, uh, kind of like what Neil was talking about with her experience with Ray Earth. Um, <clears throat> so I've, like, um, as an adult, I've, like, taken a swing at Sailor Moon, and I really fucking adore that show, and I've only watched, like, 20-ish episodes. Um, I have seen a handful of utana but i haven't like finished that show either and so part of the appeal was just like i have a lot of interest in this genre and the only fucking show i finished is modica and much as i really love modica uh i don't want to be the person who's only like magical girl experiences modica because all those people are fucking annoying (laughs) um and so yeah just like part of like the thing for me was just like i i I really like this genre i want to like work through feelings about this genre um and like immediately to me like on starting the show it just feels like as i start the show i'm immediately thinking about like shows that come immediately before and after this and i can see how it like fits in with a bunch of other stuff from the 90s like and i i couldn't tell you what comes out before or after but like this immediately hit me over the head with like Inuyasha and Sailor Moon and, and Escaflone. Like it just it feel it, it immediately is evoking all of these things for me, and so like it's just an aesthetic I really like. And so yeah, let's fucking go. Let's fucking watch the show. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I think I think that's also a good lead into like I I have kind of talked about this on the podcast before, but just to like reiterate it here because. I don't know if people have remembered me talking about this, but I, I kind of consider like what we're currently doing is we're in the middle of a series where we started with 8 MS team as like, here's a little taste of Gundam. Um, and also specifically chosen in part because it is like coming out ar- out around the same time as we're then doing uh neon Genesis Evangelion, which was like, you know, basically ending around the time that 08th MS team was starting. And then before uh, Evangelion came out, Magic Knight Rayearth came out. And then, like, after Evangelion comes out is when Utena comes out. But they're all, like, around the same time. And I think are to some degree, like, in dialogue with each other. And, like, my bone to pick in some ways is that I think, like, outside of the Philippines, where, uh, fun fact... Magic Knight Rayearth is one of the most popular anime ever in the Philippines. So, like, <laughs> shout out to my Filipino friends. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, you know that the show rips. You're the, you're the you're my <laughs> ones who like fully understand Rayearth. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but like, most people haven't watched Rayearth. I I think a lot of people start watching Rayearth and you get like, you know, five ten episodes in and you're like, oh, this is just like a kind of charming, goofy, like you know, quote unquote, like kids show, which. It yeah. can be used derogatively and I don't think is derogative, even though I think, like, this is still to some degree a kid's show. Um, and that's fine. That's, like, part of what also makes it interesting. Um, but I think people sometimes watch the beginning and they're like, this is what the show is. And it extremely is not just that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it is a yeah. show that, like, continues to comment on what it is um, and also continues to develop and comment on, like, lots of different things that were happening concurrent at the time that this came out. Um, and so I actually want to like give a little bit of like my understanding of the history of how Ray Earth came to be. Um, so basically there was this, like the, the, uh, manga originally was published in this magazine, um, where the editor basically approached clamp and were like, Hey, we want to do like a shoujo, um, Like, we want you to, like, pitch a shoujo manga to us, and we'll do it, and we'll publish it in this magazine, which uh, I believe it was Nakayoshi, and just, like, do a series. Like, we like the work that you do. We think it's interesting. Like, pitch us something. You know, we're we're really open to this. And basically, they talked to each other, and they were like, okay, one, like, we want to specifically do something that is going to be focused a little bit more on younger fans than some of our previous work has been. And what they really wanted to do was to do, like, a robot show, like, a mecha show, uh, or a mecha manga. Like, they wanted to do a manga that was, uh, like, engaging with mecha stuff, but they kind of said, like, okay, like, this is a shojo magazine that we're pitching to, like, we are known for doing, like, stuff that's more in the shojo realm anyways, so, like how are we going to like further develop this and make this into something that's going to like fit and be interesting and that like, we're excited about still doing. And so they said, okay, let's like temper the fact that it's like, what we're trying to do is a mecha manga by adding in, like, we're still going to have magical girls. We're going to pull on JRPGs. Like, you know, the, the RPGs that are happening at the time that were also really popular. Um, We're going to like put it in dialogue with those because that will like help us bring in this kind of fantasy, um especially a lot of the like rpgs that were happening at the time in japan is part of the style that like often really blends like fantasy with here like sci-fi elements um Mm -hmm. like this is like you know early 90s where like final fantasy had been doing this for a while and things like that um so they're, they're pulling from that and they're like let's Let's like swirl this all together and make this into like this weird medley of what's going on culturally right now. And like do this as a way that we can like basically do a, a mecha manga and like get it published in the shoujo magazine. Um <laughs> And they they've often said that like they think the reason why it was accepted was just how big of a breakout Sailor Moon was at the time that like. They were just very excited to be like, yes, like let's (laughs) let's pursue this. Like, shojo is blowing up, and this is something that feels like it could. Well, it feels like enough and interesting, and also because it's like venturing into some of this mecha stuff, feels like it could be more of a crossover hit into other demographics, which was something that Sailor Moon was also, especially in Japan, doing to some extent. Like Sailor Moon was still a girls manga and like a girls show, but that like was a little bit more than some other shoujo stuff, like acceptable for other people outside of like young girl market to be watching. Um, and they kind of felt like, Oh, if this is like, this is also what clamp did when they did card capture Sakura. And especially when card Captor Sakura was brought over to the U S and just marketed it as card captors was like, let us try to push beyond just like the really rigid, um, like age and gender determined uh, demographics that exist in like Japanese manga stuff. um, there's so there's like yeah sorry I'll, feel free to comment before i continue on
2: <laughs> there's like an element and i guess i just want to say this i want to say this now because i want to see like how i feel about this like after whatever you know tone shift y'all are talking about like um there's a really interesting element to the first couple episodes that feel to me almost like The show is heavily invested in, like, wish fulfillment in the way that, like, all anime is. But it's, like, trying to be wish fulfillment for literally every wish that a young girl could have. Of, like, I'm going to be the cool adventurer and the magical girl transformation and the knight and the wizard. Like, it is doing, like, literally, like, every... it's just everything it is every anime in one anime in some ways and like a lot of anime is fundamentally about uh wish fulfillment and so yeah it's just a really to me it's like a really interesting hook into like what i'm thinking about the show uh right now anyway so
1: yeah and like You know, we'll probably talk about this more as we talk about, especially the first season. But I think it is does like intentionally play with that as well. Like even the first or second episode, they specifically talk about Sephiro being like a land of will, where if you just like will something, it it can exist or be a thing. Um, and so it is like it is Sephiro is a world that is also specifically built around like wish fulfillment in a way, um, where. Again, we'll get into it as we go along, but I I do think especially the, the first season is like concerned with talking about what is a world where like wishes are being fulfilled and then how does that like create its own problems sometimes or like become complicated or like further reveal stuff about the people who are making wishes. So, um mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll, we 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 will get into that when we talk about it more. Um the other thing I want I want to talk about here though Is So the manga is created and it's um, fairly popular in Japan. And again, uh, you know, I think it was actually anime that like fully takes off in the Philippines. But, um, you know, it's fairly popular in Japan and it it gets uh, picked up for an anime. And the first season is really heavily based off of the manga. And then they kind of like ran into the... Known here in the West now the, like, Game of Thrones problem, which is that, like, you want to make more show, but there isn't more manga, really, to do yet. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the showrunners just, like, second season is like Nova does not exist in the manga. Nova only exists in the anime and is like really key to second season. Um, there are stuff in second season that did come from the manga. Like there was a little bit of like some of this had come out and we're like figuring it out, but really second season is unique to the anime. It does not match up with um, the manga. And there's actually an OVA that's like a further different take on all of this um, that we're not watching. Cause I just think it's like different enough that, we are already watching forty-nine episodes of an anime. I don't want to tack on an OVA right away. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but so this this is sometimes credited as like, and I think it is somewhat true that like some of the tonal shift that happens is specifically, it is not like them adap- adapting a Clamp manga anymore. It is the showrunners doing a show with the material. Um and like taking it in different directions but I still think it like becomes very interesting because of that and um, I've never actually finished the manga I don't know if it like I don't know how the manga ends differently <laughs> I've never read it I should do that sometime Um, but you know I, I watch the anime and Nova in particular is so central and like what happens in the second season is so central to my love of the show now that there's a part of me that's like this is my version like I should read the manga at some point to experience it, but I don't think I'm going to end up liking it as much as the anime just because, like, again, I'm both Hikaru and Nova. <laughs> um, and this is, like, this is a thing about me and the way that I conceptualize myself. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's just a little bit more background into, like, how how is this show made? Um, also, like, sorry for slight spoilers that this show does get way more mecha as it goes on, which um at the very beginning, I don't think... Like, if you watch the first five episodes, right now you're like, there are no robots.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have no fucking idea what you mean when you say the show is mecha, because that is just not an element that is in the show so far.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully the spoilers should be... Uh, you know, hopefully those will keep people on the hook long enough to, to finish <laughs> the series, um, because... Yeah, again, like it's a series that <laughs> it changes quite a bit. So, um, if you've watched five episodes, and and I'm uh, addressing our listeners here, um, if you've just like in preparation for you're like, oh, Ghost Divers is doing Ray Earth, like I'm so pumped, I'm gonna watch uh, some Ray Earth, and you made it through like five episodes right now, and you're just you're like, what the fuck are they doing? Um, <laughs> just hang in there, because Max are coming. <laughs>
1: i'm enjoying these it, first episodes are they're fucking bangers
3: i love this show <laughs> i i mean i agree but i'm also um i'm trying aware to take into that a, these five episodes
1: are very different than literally everything else we've discussed on this podcast so far
3: yeah and i'm trying to <laughs> take really into account good. the uh like the perspective of someone who might be coming in and being like oh, you know, this This feels like a kid's show and it's not really, like, grabbing me. Um, you know, for you and me, Nia, I think it's, like, since we're fully converted fans of the show, so we're <laughs> now going to be, like, um, devoted enough to be, like, sussing out all the stuff that's interesting. We're sympathetic enough to all the, like, emotional currents of the show and, like... The themes and stuff because we've you know watched it several times um, yeah. that we're just like immediately perceiving those things and also anticipating like you know part of it is how we know it evolves so we're anticipating the evolution and that kind of adds to your enjoyment um, but someone coming in like and I don't know I-, I-, I hope this has not fully been your experience Autumn but like I, I can see how someone coming in um, And just watching episodes, like, one through five. If you were just watching, like, you know, Gurren Lagon* or something, you would be like, oh, this is not, like... (sighs) This is a letdown. I was expecting Max type of thing.
1: Yeah.
2: So, like, two things for me. One, I have really enjoyed the first couple episodes. And two, I'm a person... And I want to figure out how I want to say this. (laughs) A lot of people on the internet are either way too into kids' media or way too dismissive of kids' media, I feel like. Um, there are some people who, like, you need to, like, watch a real show sometime. Um, <laughs> but, like... So, I, I to circle back to, like, the things I was saying about Sailor Moon and Monica. like, if you watch the first 12 episodes of Sailor Moon, everything that's Monica, Everything that Monica is doing is in... Like, just right there. From the jump. From episode one of Sailor Moon. It's literally all right there. Monica um, is not doing anything new or inventive with the genre. The thing that's like, different about Monica is the tone, and the and the gore, and the violence. And I really like Madoka, but like, I think a lot of fans dismiss um, a show like Sailor Moon out of hand, because Sailor Moon is like, kind of a kid's show um and i think sailor moon has all of the emotional texture that like uh, shows shows for adults do and i think it's like i just think it's dumb when people like dismiss kids shows and so like even if this was a like just a straight up and down like children's tv show all the way through i'd still be here for it because i still like i just think that like kids media can do all the same things that adults media do does. It's just in a different way. Um, I guess that's all I have to say, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think,
3: I think the danger, like to just, um, to just agree with you, like, I think the danger that some people fall into with these types of parallels is just assuming that like the like quote unquote kids show uh, we, we might not – maybe we don't even need quotes around it. Like, the kids' show is, like, simplistic. Uh, mm. And I think that, you know, to some extent, I think part of what we do on Ghost Divers is to look at a show and just be like, okay, even if, like, the show seems a certain way, there's about all of this, like, content that is just, like, imminent to the show – um, that, mm-hmm. that it is like, in fact, doing. Um, and it's really rich, even though, like, tonally, um, and like, technically, it, maybe it is very much like, uh, maybe it is like simple, like, technically and, and tonally, s- seemingly. Um, there's still like a lot of richness within this. And yeah, I, well, I think there's also a certain level of like, When something like, I think some of the shows that are trying to like, later shows that try to like subvert or further develop um, something that is, you know, quote unquote simplistic, um, in some ways they just become like, they run the risk of becoming trite or like, uh, (laughs) just repeating like what has already been done, like more subtly um and, and I, I also kind of like modica but that is kind of a shot at modica um, <laughs> for like the di- for the dynamic that you're talking about where people like give it this kind of like this overwhelming praise um that if they had just been more an- attentive to like the earlier what it's taking off on um y- you know they might find like that the praise should be uh, more evenly allocated yeah, I well mean... and
2: I think I think a lot of people come into especially older shows with sort of sort of a, a lot of people come into older shows with like an idea of what the show is like to go back to first Gundam for a second I think a lot of people walk into first Gundam and think this is a show about how war is bad and I think a lot of people put on blinders and it's even more so when it's like you know shows for children like this is what the this is what the read of it is and this is what i've been told about this show and so i'm not going to like i'm gonna watch the show and i'm gonna watch it all from this like angle that i've just gotten through cultural osmosis like like war is bad or you know whatever sorts of opinions people have about sailor moon and modica uh not that modica is that much older but modica is reaching like older anime
3: yeah like an overdetermined like v- view uh of the series they're carrying yeah. in like a bias and it's overdetermining their 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 um you know their experience of it
1: yeah um i think i was gonna like quick say as well is i think of all of us i'm probably the one who's often like the most uh usually jokingly but like dismissive of Monica, and i think part of it comes from the way that so many fans right now th- that i see talking about Monica is like this thing that revolutionized the magical girl genre or whatever or like took it to a new level is, like, it's the exact same discourse that existed around Utena, and when I watched Utena, I was, like, okay, but this is, like, also still just doing what magical girl anime does. It's just, yeah. like, more acceptable because this is the one that, like, quote-unquote has ties to Neon Genesis Evangelion, which was, like, the thing that made it important back when I was getting into anime, um, right. was that you could, like, connect it to Ava, and that made it Important in a way that Sailor Moon wasn't important or that Cardcaptor Sakura wasn't important. A show that I watched a lot of because to some degree the marketing around like card captors worked and it was more acceptable in my friend groups for me to be watching card captors. Um, and so I watched a lot of that and that was also a magical girl anime. And then I, I watched Utana and I'm like, okay, they're like, they are doing stuff here. This is still interesting and good, but like none of this is entirely new to the genre. It's just new to people who are seeing this and not watching the rest or not like approaching the rest with the same sort of reverence where they think it is going to be important because there is like a tone and a cultural importance put on it. Um,
2: Well, and I think, um, I think uh, with Utana, like Ikuni got seen as like an auteur. And so you could put like this male face on Utena yeah. um that like clamp is not respected <laughs> in the same way yeah. that Ikuni is and that's some bullshit
3: because clamp
2: is cool <laughs> yeah i Vibe definitely is fucking think fucking
3: great i definitely think there is um i definitely think that like male auteur thing uh plays a big role in in what we're talking about um it, especially around like Monica where it's like Gen or or whatever mm-hmm, um uh-huh. and for me that's a show that like i mean i'll say that i like it I, i'm i'm fairly lukewarm on it um the things that i like about it are like i'm not the thing that seems to be credited most which is like the narrative or whatever um it, it is not that intriguing for me um the like stuff with like animation in that show and, and yeah. various other things they do is like much more interesting to me. Um but the way that they handle like genre and narrative um I don't find that compelling because it just feels like that's one where I actually feel worse about the parallel between like a Sailor Moon and Madoka than I do about like First Gundam and Ava. Because I do feel like Ava ultimately gets to a point where it builds. Um, mm-hmm. but Monica just feels like, oh yeah, magical girl, but like, let's do what Ava did. And like, mm-hmm. let's have this, like, gotcha moment that we've like built this whole narrative around. Um, where we're just like, oh shit, like, we're blowing open the genre, um, and making it super dark now. Uh, and yeah, uh, I just, I'm not, sim- I'm not like super sympathetic to when I just feel like it's it, it it seems forced right like when it's just like oh what if we just did this genre but like made it dark um and it feels forced that really turns me off um and to bring this back to rare earth like as an alternative rare Earth. I think *Ray Earth* is a series that really that pulls that off in a way that is like very organic and compelling, where it it ulti- it ultimately does go um, in some very dark places and like probes a lot of the same um, areas that like a modica will, but it's it never like it, it never becomes like inorganic. Um, yeah. So yeah, sorry. That's another
1: tangent there. Um, yeah, a, a slightly <laughs> uh, like to wrap things up here. Um, we haven't really mentioned this yet. I think that Magic Knight Ray Earth is an incredibly gay show. Um, and I want to just first throw to you, Autumn, as someone who's so far watched five episodes of this show. Uh, what's your read on how gay the three magic knights are?
2: Um. So for me, um, uh, for me. Um, Hikaru gay. Just Very gay. gay. Like, first I, I,
1: episode immediately evident that uh Hikaru is just like gay for Umi and Fu immediately. Yeah. The first time she sees them. Yes. <laughs> Umi
2: um uh Umi I think is figuring herself out. I think um I think maybe that's going to evolve over the course of the series. I don't have a strong read. Definitely, in what I have watched, she gained magical powers out of a desire to protect Hikaru. Uh, So, like, definitely some homosexuality happening, but I think we're going to see more. I think she's figuring it out. I think Fu is the straight friend. Uh, And and I think Hikaru and Umi are very supportive of her. I think they're great allies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is why um, I'm Hikaru, you're uh, Umi and Connor is, of course, Fu. Um, <laughs> so,
2: you. <laughs> I texted so, <laughs> you the other day.
1: Which. Re- remind me,
2: which Ray Earth am I? And you said Umi, and you immediately follow up with, I know that's not very flattering so far. And I interrupted <laughs> you to say, no, no, no. That's what I wanted to hear. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I will the, say i'm gonna like this is like my very short like we'll get into it as the podcast goes on um hikaru is like extremely poly and loves a lot of people and i think like does not think of sexuality in terms of gender Is my read on her she's just Mm -hmm. like fully like there are lots of people that i love and it includes these two girls who i'm extremely gay for but like that is not the full extent of like the love that i have for people in my life Mm -hmm. umi is i think incredibly gay has never once felt any inkling of attraction to a man in her life um like is selective about what girls she's into but definitely like comes to accept early on in the series that like she's very gay for her two girlfriends who are of course hikaru and fu i think fu is mostly straight but like Hikaru and Umi are, like, her first girlfriends, and it's probably never going to extend beyond that, but, like, she does love them a lot. Um, I think she's, like, <laughs> happy being their third wheel. Like, she's, like, okay with that being the dynamic of the, like, poly relationship that they're in. Like, their polycule is, like, yeah, I'm kind of the third wheel, I'm, like, off on the side, like, also doing my straight shit, but, like, we're still going to sleep in the same bed sometimes. That's that's just right. how this works. <laughs> right yeah Well we'll get into it as we get further into the series so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: i think from from my perspective and this just like this is going to be a segue um <laughs> the for me the interesting thing about ray earth is that um there are all these themes that are being grappled with um Like, including that, which will be a a huge uh, topic of discussion, I know, and and doesn't like warrant any remark for me at this point, um, because I have nothing to add. But so there's obviously like the like homosexuality element, uh, which is a huge undercurrent. Um, But then there's also just stuff about like girlhood and like womanhood and all these things that are clearly being. Uh, that the show's clearly engaging with, that for me watching it, and I've been especially struck by this like at this time where I've actually been taking notes and looking at the series like much more critically, anticipating a discussion. Um, it, it's clearly engaging with all of these things that like it, uh, I'm kind of excited to to embark on this discussion because I, I can only go so far with them. Um, where I'm like, okay, this is what I think it's doing. This is what I think it's gesturing at, but I have like absolutely no insight on what it's like to be like a 14 year old girl. And the show is clearly like very engaged with this. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and trying to like deeply grapple with this and build themes, like uh, thematic, uh, like explorations around like this stage of like a young girl's life or whatever. Um, and I have absolutely no insight uh, into this. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting discussion because um, I feel like I'm just going to be like pulling up these themes and just like punting them off <laughs> um, and just being like, all right, yeah, like here's, here's uh here's what I've like found so far. Uh, I'm just like punting this one off now. Uh, In episode five, like, oh, yeah, here, I think it's developing it. Like, it seems like it's doing X, Y, and Z. All right, moving on. Um, So, uh, Um, yeah, if if that's any, uh, if that sounds like amusing uh, to any listeners, I I hope that's a selling point. Watching me try to uh, squirm my way through, like, really wanting to talk intensely about all the interesting stuff the series is doing. Uh, and also being like completely uh, ignorant and out of my depth um, on on a lot of the stuff that this series is doing. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. I will I will say from my perspective, I also
1: don't know what it's like to be a fourteen year old girl, but I do know what it's like to be a fourteen year old awkward creature who very desperately wants to escape from this plane of existence to a plane <sighs> where I can be a cool girl. And in that <laughs> sense, I think Ray Earth still very directly speaks to me when I was this age. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think Yeah, I,
2: I, I that oh, is how ha- that is also how I would characterize like my I we'll, we'll probably get into it as the podcast goes on. I I I think a lot of trans folks like think of themselves as having always been the gender that they are now. That is not how I think of myself. Um, yeah, but that is like, also
1: extremely not how I think of it.
2: <laughs> but I also, like... I'm not going to say that I was just experiencing a normal 14-year-old boyhood,
1: you know? Yeah. So
2: we'll get there, you know? I, I think we'll get into that as the show goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah, my my wording there of an awkward creature is, like, very intentional. When I refer to myself as a child, like, assigning any kind of gender to that child feels disingenuous to me because it's, like, not what I was really experiencing, which was, like that I was this thing that did not conform at all to the, like the systems of gender that were being put on me. And I didn't know how to like articulate that or do anything with that. And so what I was, was just like this awkward being this awkward creature who was just like trying to navigate that space as like a weird uh, being that like did not pro- possess like a clear sense of gender. Um, even as I was like being told this is the gender that you are and this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um but like to say when I was a little girl feels like it is actually like effacing and erasing like the girlhood that was denied me that includes things like being able to just like uncomplicatedly watch Magic Knight Ray Earth. Like <laughs> saying when I was a little girl implies that I had some sort of childhood where I did not have the experiences that I had with Ray Earth of like shame and like All of these terrible, complex things going on, where I I like deeply wanted to be a fan of this and was being told I could not be, Um, and that it was also mingling with like awakening puberty and sexual desires in very very complex ways. That uh, if you want to hear me talk about a little bit, you can probably go back and listen to the Ava episodes. I feel like I probably talked about it there to some degree. (laughs) Um. I think so. It's all it's all a
3: blur, honestly.
1: Yeah, I have not even started uh, editing that five hour recording section. Uh, session that we had with Brad, I do not I'm- know why they stayed on for that. It was it was wild.
2: <laughs> if we hit like three and a half, I'm gonna walk out on any <laughs> given episode. Like, I, pro- I promise you
3: <laughs> I'm not
2: here for well, a five-hour uh,
3: podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to be really tight then because uh, that's just right around our, our, our sweet spot. <laughs> um, um, any, any, I, any final
1: sounds like you have final thoughts
3: yeah no no that's okay we have a whole uh we have a whole series to to flesh out our thoughts so i think uh (laughs) i think we're good for now all right you know so autumn doesn't walk out yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) no no i said three and a half hours we can we can do a podcast in less than three and a half hours
1: (laughs) um anyway yeah so i guess we'll do work cited next unless we don't have any um so for work cited uh there are two things that i bring up like fairly late in our discussion of *Ray earth and we're really i'm like trying to wrap up my read of it um one of them is a talk that um i'll have to see if i can like find a recording of it if it exists um but it is a a talk that i saw at the 2016 different games conference called deviant male identities in japanese rpgs heterosexual heroes gay villains uh by juan f belmont and uh this was a a talk that i think um just helped provide for me some like context that i kind of knew but put it in a, a clearer package of um sort of how homosexuality is thought about in um, a lot of Japanese culture and how, like, deviance, you know, I kind of talked about this with uh, Evangelion as well when we were talking about some of those, but like, deviance in this, like, sexual sense um, it is a- coded a little bit differently in Japanese. And there's, like, this age of discretion that um, you have as a-, a child where, like, you are allowed to experiment, I think. Um, and so that's why a lot of media that we get from Japan that is about queer relationships is often about, like, teens, because because it's more socially acceptable there, if it's, like, a phase that you then grow out of and become a, like, heterosexual family unit afterwards. <laughs> um, the other one is, honestly, the, like, entire book here, Cruising Utopia, the then and there of Uh, queer futurity by jose esteban munez uh this is like people who've listened to this podcast have probably heard me talk about like queer utopia and um ideas of futurity and like a, a lot of these various theories that are kind of around like what is like queer utopian thinking or what is like um these things that are like beyond or extending past like straight understandings of things and moving into like this queer existence Um, a lot of my thinking on that was informed by this book Um, obviously I've thought about it on my own as well but like this is one of the foundational texts for me Um, and in particular one chapter that I know I'm going to bring and talk about is stages queers punks and the utopian performative um, in part because I I think it actually like ties into some degree with the previous work cited about uh, the stages here is like Munez is specifically playing with um, both stage as like a stage that you grow out of as a queer teen um, and that like myth that exists in straight society and then stage as like the stage at a venue um, and how to like reclaim that idea of stage of like moving through stages um, and, and actually bend it towards like a utopian queer existence rather than like reasserting straightness, which will will come into my final read of Ray Earth. Um, otherwise, you can stick around for the end of the podcast for content warnings. Otherwise, thank you for joining us for this uh, very focused on-topic discussion for the intro to Magic Knight Ray Earth. That's why you all come here to Ghost Divers, is that we just like we really stick to the point um next time we will be discussing episodes one through 10 of the uh, show so uh watch along join us for that if you want to write into the podcast you can write to diverspod at gmail.com um be a little while until we do a question bucket but i always say if like if you have a question feel free to just write it in right away you don't need to sit on it it's fine i star the stuff that are for upcoming question buckets um Otherwise, thank you to you, Autumn, and X War Audio Network for hosting this podcast. Um Yeah, I have no idea why you host me. It's it's I know, I know, truly a mystery. Um You just can, were <laughs> wanting to
2: do a podcast and I was like, Well, I can do this, so <laughs>
3: Quite the mystery yeah i was just
1: <laughs> tweeting like who can like who has any advice about good podcasting services to host my podcast and you just messaged me i can just host your podcast and i was just like oh okay oh, right. <laughs> um yeah and then i like worried for months that you regretted that no so. what
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the, the thing is that um what did we used to use do we used to use podbean for export let me check real quick
1: um, I mean, while you're yeah. checking, I can just say the thing is that like, I am a kind of person where I just assume that people do not like me unless they are explicitly telling me that they like me. Um, sorry. <laughs> so
2: we used to use Podbean, um, and I both for pricing reasons and service reasons really was profoundly unhappy with Podbean just as a service. And so when we saw a bad power- name, bad name. When we found Pinecast, I kind of felt like, one, these people do really good work. And so, like, I am happy to, like, use them for all of our stuff. And two, like, if I can, if I can for free host more uh, other podcasts, then sure, I'll do that. Because, yeah, Pinecast does a lot of good stuff for us, I feel. So, yeah. Shout outs to Pinecast, honestly.
3: Um, yeah, I, I remember when when Nia told me that you were gonna host our podcast, and I proceeded to just be like incredibly like uh, like humbled and grateful. And I was just like, "Oh my god! Like that's that's so that's so amazing! Like I can't believe like what an act of kindness!" <laughs> and like for some, you know, just for our like little project, blah blah blah. And then you came on the question bucket, and I was like, "Oh my god, thank you! It's it's so great." And you were just like, "Yeah, whatever. It's free.
4: <laughs> it's free. I don't know. I just I just work here."
3: <laughs> that was like my that. last. That was my last childhood dream, Shannon. <laughs> um. Anyway, if people
1: want to support the network, they can go to exportod.io. Uh, which just redirects to patreon.com export audio oh also i don't think i've said this on the podcast yet or maybe i did in the ava one i forget when this happened um people can go to export on.io slash ghost divers and i was literally just double share. checking
2: that that worked because i was gonna say it if you didn't so
3: yeah um thank you we've gotten so many donations it like because of the intensity it sometimes the link breaks <laughs> so if, if only it's not working if it's not working when you go to it, then just give it like a couple minutes and refresh.
1: I always feel funny plugging the export audio network. Cause I'm like, I'm pretty sure like at least 90% of our listeners are just people who listen to the network and started listening to ghost divers. Cause it was the new podcast of the network, but like still go support it. You can listen to not episodes of this show early. God, no. Um, I'm like <laughs> doing the notes like the day before I upload it, despite the fact that we're we'll record months in advance. Uh, <laughs> Uh but yeah like it's it's great. If you go into the the Discord, you can also like talk when stuff gets released. I feel like most people in there just subscribe and talk about it when it comes out. Um Yeah. Yeah. We have 24/7 you
3: know. customer support in the <laughs> export audio. That's Discord. unfortunately true. Any... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have any questions about the podcast or
2: That is regrettably know. true. If you post there, I will read it and I will probably uh, judge you just so you know, I'm kind of a judgmental bitch. So
1: yeah, remember if you're not our friends, you're not really our friends
2: I like everybody who posts in the discord. I'm just also a judgy bitch. I know that's your sign-off I just wanted to like, you know clarify. I'm just mean so it's just, fine. Just
3: wanted to reiterate. Yeah. I wanted to have this be the final I one. mean,
1: that's not really my sign-off because also we have to do our Twitter accounts. Um, oh, yeah I was just saying the joke thing <laughs> that I say oh yeah okay so anyway people can follow the podcast at ghost diverse pod you can follow me at fox mom nia where can people follow you connor
3: you can follow me at rabelace r-a-b-b-l-e-a-s
1: um it's a great account to follow and then sit in like like if you're following it you will be there if and when connor finally actually tweets like you you will be there when it happens so <laughs> i recommend everyone follow for like you want to be there when Connor the finally suspense. tweets. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a very exclusive, curated uh, experience. Yeah. Um, uh, where can people follow... It's years in the making.
1: Where can follow people follow you, Autumn?
2: <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Uh, you can go to exportodd.io slash video to watch some uh, YouTube videos of... I've been playing El- uh, The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind nora has been playing The Elder Scrolls 1 Arena and The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. Um, If you like really good CRPGs, like the only CRPGs that I like, those are... We got a lot of videos for you. We've got a lot of videos. We have a hyperfixation right now. Um, So, yeah.
1: I will say I do not care at all for Elder Scrolls. I do enjoy your streams though. But I did... I'm certainly biased, so... (laughs) Uh, if if you don't care about Elder Scrolls, but you do want to
2: hear me excitedly explain um, the Imperial occupation of Morrowind, um, <laughs> just crack a Coca Cola into the
3: microphone, a- why don't you? <laughs> I'm ama- I'm imagining this Venn diagram of people, what the what the area in the middle looks like. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah, if you want to hear that, uh, there's a lot of it over on the Export Audio YouTube right now. So,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, and the also you can go to at Garf which is my Twitter account where I read Garfield into the camera. Um, definitely, like, every weekday. I'm kind of bad about weekends because I'm usually really busy on weekends, both, I'm like, watching a toddler account. and... Shut up. <laughs> I don't...
2: I've just no ne- I didn't know you had an account where you read Garfield comics aloud. I didn't know that.
1: Uh, okay.
2: <laughs> this is a dumb joke. You're, <laughs> you're just
1: you're just lying to people. <laughs> I'm Do you think it's funny it. to lie? Yes.
2: Yes. This is how I cope. <laughs> you can't be mad at me. Lying is my coping method. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm ending this podcast. Bye.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.
1: So in terms of content warnings, um, honestly, Ray Earth is probably a lot lighter than a lot of the other stuff that we've discussed so far. Um, other than like maybe Cromartie high school, uh, it, it is definitely a little bit more like firmly in shojo territory where um, like this first one I have here is violence and there, there's definitely like violent scenes, but it is never to the like extreme gore that, you might've seen in like ghost in the shell or late evangelion, <laughs> um, but or uh, early so, evangelion. Yeah. Or early evangelion. That, that's true. Or, or middle um, evangelion. So I, I was almost tempted to put fantasy violence here, but I, I think violence applies as it goes on. Sometimes it gets a little bit more um, beyond just like, Oh, a sword attack monster. Um, there's also some blood in this anime i would say like you know there's not a lot of gore but there is a a fair amount of blood um then it deals with themes of depression self-harm and suicide um as well as to some degree abusive relationships which i think we we draw out a little bit more to as we discuss it um i think someone could watch it and not necessarily immediately pick up like some of these relationships are abusive but i I think the way that some of them are depicted could like be slightly uncomfortable or triggering for someone who might have like significant issue with that. Um there's also a bit of sexuality and partial nudity, but it is uh again not to the level of some of the other stuff we've watched. Um like the most is a there's a hot springs episode. (laughs) Um that's actually compared to a lot of hot springs episodes, still fairly tasteful, but um it's still a hot springs episode. I'm sure we won't
3: discuss that at all, hardly.
1: Um, the other thing I have here is there's one character in particular that I think could touch on, like, the idea of plurality, um, in a way where just, like, if that depictions of that could be touchy for you, or that, like, you know, just be prepared going in that, like, that could kind of touch on some of that stuff. Um, there's also some homophobia and queer phobia, especially around, like, two, I don't even want to say characters necessarily, because they're whatever (laughs) yeah entities um that there's just a like i'll I'll just say here episode 32 there's like an extended homophobic joke um and that kind of gets repeated in some of the other episodes but like 32 is the big one um also there are some things that could be like they are Again, in this cartoony way, but that are racist caricatures. Like, I know in the first season, there's, um, sort of like a native, like a Native American depiction briefly, um, that's just kind of played as a joke. Um, and then later on as well, there's some like character designs in like, you know, countries that are like clearly styled on China and kind of like Arabia broadly yeah Um, like india yeah like india as well a lot of it is the stuff where like stuff is getting conflated like there is even a joke about how the like nation that seems to be based around china has ninjas which like is not chinese um so they're like kind of playing at it but also you know it's very like what you might expect from a cartoon from the 90s kind of racist character depictions but it could still be upsetting and i think it's helpful to know that going in um and then also there are definitely some episodes that have flashing lights so um if you're someone where that can be you know you have photosensitivity, uh just something to be aware of i mean a lot of anime has this but um yeah it definitely comes up here there are some scenes where it's just like strobes black and white for you know not like minutes but for for a little bit so um and then the the final one that uh, I had kind of forgotten about, but that you remember, Connor, was there is also some depictions of like mind control or possession. Um, in fact, it's a like theme that runs throughout Ray Earth. So uh, that's kind of the the final thing to know going in. Um, is there anything else that you've thought of while we're talking? Or uh, no, I hope we've covered
3: everything. Um, and. Uh... Yeah, I hope uh, I hope you'll enjoy the our take on Earth.
2: Okay, I just hit record. Okay. I also oh, there's Connor. Perfect.
1: Hey, Connor. We just hit record. Um, <laughs> just so you know. Um. Oh, I should you also take get Bjark in here. Yeah. If you If you aren't ready.
3: Um. Oh no, no, no! It's okay. It's too late now. It's. <laughs> If you've already started, so um, <laughs> so are you okay with you
1: talking about this on a podcast and then people don't hear it until um, let me until this is not the one that I want to have open until what, like literally what, what mid are we July. Talking about? Oh, mid oh. July
2: is so much earlier than I thought it was. Okay, so we were at the grocery store today. And I was like, I want to make more mixed drinks, generally speaking, but we don't have ice. Like, we don't have an ice maker in our freezer, and we don't have ice trays, and we don't buy ice, because I think that's a waste of money. Um, And so I was looking around for ice trays, and what I found was these little cubes that you could buy that were filled with water, and you could put them in the freezer. And so they would just be, like, reusable ice cubes, basically, and I have to say, they fucking suck.
3: <laughs> um, they
2: I'm still I've not already understanding. Had... <laughs> you go.
3: I'm still not understanding how this is different in concept from the the ice cube tray.
2: So, so it's not a tray that you fill with water. You buy these little like plastic cubes that the factory filled with water for you you stick those in your freezer.
1: And you never open the cube.
2: You never open the cube. Yeah. But the cube opens itself because two of them have already leaked out all of their contents.
3: Oh, (laughs) I get it.
2: I get it. And it does just mean I have a bunch of plastic in my cup with my water. And it's really just not like a good sensory experience in the way that
1: like ice is. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, like, there's an ice cube, and an ice cube, like, fills very specific purposes, which is, especially if you're doing mixed drinks, which is not only to keep the drink cool, but that also, like, you want some amount of, like, you you don't make mixed drinks with already chilled liquor most of the time. You make it with warm liquor because it's supposed to melt some of the ice, and, like, it's, like, mixing water in and, like, cutting some of it. That's, like, part of mixology. Um, so like the ice cube itself holds a very specific purpose and then if you don't want it to dilute so like I have these things because I used to be there there is an alternate universe where I'm like 100% a Rob Zachney motherfucker <laughs> I, and so alternate
2: universe is strong but yeah <laughs> <go on.
3: laughs> shut the fuck up um, so you I mean like, you called- mean like certain days of the week is what you mean <laughs>
1: <laughs> All I'm gonna say is there's a moment on uh a more civilized age episode where Rob zackley specific Rob Zackney specifically refers to Austin as the sole Marxist on the podcast, and that was a very telling moment about who Rob Zackney is as a person for me and also how I'm very different from him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, I have these things called whiskey stones from my previous life where I was definitely more of a Rob Zachney kind of person. And it's like literally just like a stone that gets really cold. And then you put it in whiskey and then it doesn't dilute the whiskey because you don't want it to, but it just like chills it a little bit. Um, and they're not like very effective at making the whiskey co- like actually that cold, but it does like lower the temperature a little bit and like cut it a little bit, but without like diluting it. So, yeah. um, like now, I what still, if instead of that, I have a you really good bottle plastic. of scotch and I will use it. For that. But yeah, so now you're just, you have a plastic version. So now it's like, I'm going to put these plastic cubes that will probably leak the water and dilute the whiskey into this like incredibly good bottle of scotch that I bought because I went to the river where like my family in Scotland is from and bought a bottle that they make from that river.
2: <laughs> well, and so.
1: The other thing is
2: and right now I'm just drinking water from it, so I cannot tell you if it's any good with mixed drinks. I bought like six oh, limes to market. You're Baker only right drinking
3: is. you're only drinking the factory water from inside the ice cube.
2: <laughs> no, I, I That's a bold I, choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, what the fuck was I gonna say?
1: Just imagining um, you like cracking them open like an egg into the cup. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, so the thing I was gonna say was that like I I bought these because I was standing next to the tequila, looking at tequila, and it was like, oh, these are here. Now I don't have to look for an ice tray. I can just try these out. And the whole selling point is that they don't dilute your drink. But, like, at least for me, like, if I'm juicing three limes to make a margarita from scratch, I kind of want that shit diluted. Limes are really fucking sour. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So... Alright, yeah. that's
3: that's quite a conundrum. Are you going to return them? No,
2: no. I put my mouth on them already. Like- <laughs> well, you don't have to tell them that. <laughs> you already drank
3: the contents.
2: I live with one of the people who I would be returning it
3: to. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nora works at the grocery store.
3: Okay, that makes it a little more complicated. But mm. you also know, uh, you know what shift to go if you don't want to.
2: <laughs> Yeah, she's off tomorrow, so if I make the return tomorrow, it's
1: probably fine. <laughs> there
3: you go. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Do, do we, do we want to record a podcast, or do we want to
3: bullshit a little bit longer? <laughs> yeah, I <we're> was just <laughs> I'm telling you. i either way. That, uh, it's, it's funny that it worked out this way, because I woke up this morning, like, very sick. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have, like... I just feel like go. This intro episode is going to be uh, pretty interesting because all three of us are uh, maybe like not one hundred percent at our best right now.
2: <laughs> I worked uh, six a.m. to one thirty on the worst day of the week to work at a Starbucks. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little punchy.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're all just like haggard and worn down. Like, oh god. <laughs> all right, magic night, rare.
2: Oh, I did. So- <laughs> I did, while I was making dinner, uh, make a cup of coffee and then pour two shots of Bacardi into the coffee. So I have some energy. I don't know. It didn't really hit me like it usually does um, because I was standing in a hot kitchen for most of the time I was drinking it. But
3: Well, well I guess we'll we'll just have to see how that, uh, <laughs> how that whole thing pans out. I wouldn't be drinking a beer <laughs> right now, but I'm, I've taken a lot of Sudafed.
1: Mm
4: -hmm. I'm pretty sure those two things
3: aren't supposed to go together. Yeah. Supposedly. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) I don't know if tonight's the night I'm going to be doing that experiment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. What you mentioned, though, it does
1: bring up some housekeeping, which is I thought we were recording this Thursday. um, And it, it came down to me misunderstanding what you meant when you said next Monday, because English is a bad language for this. <laughs>
2: yes. <Yeah.
4: laughs>
2: I, I, yeah. And going forward, I'm going to always be posting like Monday, the 24th or whatever, you know? So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So what, when, when do we want to record? Cause it sounds like it's not going to be this week.
2: I can record, uh, I am off every Wednesday and every Thursday. Um, This week, the days that I'm working are really tough, but the 26th and 27th are great for me. Uh, And then the following week, it'll be a lot easier for me um, to do this. The other thing that makes it hard to schedule with me is that... Uh, I do get a weekend, but it's different from the weekend of everybody else on the planet. And so to me, Friday is Monday. And so sometimes I say next week, and in my head, that's a very different thing than what you might mean when you say next week.
3: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, 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 I'm good, like, pretty much from May 31st. No. Starting June 1st, going forward, I'm pretty much good to go. Yeah. Let, so, me,
2: let me pull this up. I, I've got a screenshot in the Discord, but it's hard for me to read, so I'm going to pull up a better one.
1: Um, I, don't, I, I have to read it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the problem
2: is that Flux is on, and um, some uh, of my stuff is coated in orange right now, so it makes it fucking hard to read. Oh, yeah, so, but it's great for your eyes. Twenty-sixth <laughs> and the twenty-seventh, I could record. I could manage um the 34th the sorry. Thirty-first, second, third, or
3: fifth. Okay, let's shoot for a second, third, or fifth. That's okay. the only yeah. times that I'm I'm available. Okay. Yeah. Of those listed. Okay. Uh um, yeah, I'm
2: happy with any of those.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, w- I would lean towards the second just to do it earlier rather than later. Okay. Um, Sounds good. We'll figure it out, though. Sorry, I
2: okay. was real bad at watching anime.
1: <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, it's It's all good.
3: <laughs> um, it's very understandable.
1: So do, do we want to do a podcast now? podcast oh. podcast we yeah, should do I, time that is okay do i host this one um sometimes <laughs> when you bully me
3: <laughs> do you do you want to
1: <laughs> no but i could i could
3: all right um, uh 58
1: <laughs> that, was, Sorry, that was that was terrible yeah that was terrible
3: <laughs> i'm really i was
2: like 58 damn okay I'm
3: I'm not I'm not at my best right now. Um, Fourteen. Okay. I
1: didn't, I didn't, hear, I didn't, any claps, I didn't hear any. hear but... any claps. I didn't hear any claps, but I clapped. What? Okay. <laughs> There's a line on mine. <laughs> is There's... there a line on yours? There is a line on my recording. Okay.
3: Do we want to do it one more time, just for, <laughs> for safety? Just for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh let's do 44.
1: Okay. I still did it, not hear anyone, but
3: <laughs> it sounded it like It
2: really fucks me up that you don't do multiples of 5. It's fine. You're valid. You're allowed <laughs> to not do multiples of 5, but <laughs> it does fuck me up a little bit.
1: I, <laughs> I hate prime love- numbers. I- I really hate it on the zeros because it often like hitches on the zeros for me. Um, okay. Like I'm I say with you're very the very valid. But...
3: <laughs> no, your 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 criticism is noted. Thanks. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean I did specifically tell Connor to stop picking round numbers, so that's kind of on me. <laughs> i just I'll just never do it again, okay? It's fine.
2: It's seventeen every time.
1: <laughs> I just like tasking Picking the time dot is time to Connor as like the one thing that Connor fully controls on this podcast.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't
3: even I don't even control my own my own contributions. Yeah, just you, the time you say
2: that you have given him this task, but also we're sitting here complaining about his performance in the task, and yeah, I think he did an admirable
1: it. job. <laughs> well,
3: thank you.
1: Listen, um, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> podcast uh all right i'm gonna i'm gonna get in the mind space and start a podcast
4: okay